0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard and Capitol Hill is Steve Hayes. And Steve, I'm trying to figure out the White House alchemy of turning what we're watching, whether it's a fiasco in the Middle East or the fiasco at the border, into a strength or an asset or something for the White House. And I just see bad news on top of bad news. Am I missing the super smart play from the world's smartest president?
1: Um, if you are, I'm missing it, too. Um, I, I, I don't see it. I, I really don't see um, what the White House thinks it can do here. And if there's a lemon lemonade uh, approach to this, certainly we haven't even seen a hint of it from the White House on either, on either front.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh, the idea that the president, to start with the uh, the border issue and the uh, the surge across uh, the border of Central American uh, uh, immigrants, Going to Texas for fundraisers and not going to the border seems like such a dumb political move. You know, I I worked on campaigns at a very low level, you know, back in the day. And if I'd been running a guy for state representative, we'd have had more sense than to get that close to the problem and not at least do a flyby or a show up or something.
1: Well, look, I, I think part of the problem for the White House is that the president doesn't have anything to announce. There's nothing, it, it's not at all clear that the president or anybody in this administration has any idea of what at this point to do to help solve the problem. It seems very clear uh, that they are not prepared to completely shut down uh, the border. They're not prepared to make the difficult decisions that I think we have to make if we want to stem this, this, this surge or this tide of, uh, illegal immigrants coming to the united states we heard yesterday from uh, jay johnson on uh, meet the press say in effect we've got to do right by the children well what does that mean he didn't explain it but it's hard to imagine that he means by that uh shutting the door in effect so i don't think that the president has any intention of making a big announcement and i think if you're the white house you're not that then what what why would you make the trip to the border at all? If you're not going to make some announcement, if you haven't come to any policy conclusions, it doesn't make much sense to go to the border just to say that you've gone to the border. So we heard from Josh Ernest on, on Monday that, uh, you know, the, the White House isn't concerned with the quote-unquote optics.
0: But there's the another optics, decision. there's there's another set of optics, which is average Americans who maybe are, you know, you know they feel – uh, divided inside on what to do about illegal immigration. On the one hand, they you know want the law to be obeyed. On the other hand, they want to help people. And they see at the border chaos. You know, this isn't, oh my goodness gracious me, <laughs> somebody <laughs> seems to have gotten in and now is working as a landscaper in Bethesda, Maryland. This is, oh my gosh, busloads of people and then we're busing them inside. And as I said in my radio show in Georgia, imagine the entire city of Savannah crossing uh, since uh, April 1st. Well, now double it because it's actually two savannas. I mean, that's that's not just uh, we're not quite doing what we need to to secure the border. This is open border chaos. Yes, I think that's exactly right. But that puts the White House in a very difficult position politically.
1: Think about the argument that we heard from the White House and other supporters of comprehensive immigration reform uh, leading up to the collapse of those discussions. Their primary argument was that people who were making a case for tighter enforcement tighter border security were doing so in bad faith because it was unnecessary because the border was already closed down and in any case we could handle whatever traffic came now you have the same proponents of immigration reform in effect throwing up their hands and saying look there's nothing we can do about all these people coming i mean the same people are making almost precisely the the opposite argument that they were making six, eight, ten months ago. So I think that makes it a very difficult place for the White House to be at this point. And, and as I say, in the absence of any actual policy proposal that they have to, to, to slow things down, which I don't think the, the White House has, the president's certainly not, not given any indication to believe that he's prepared to do that, um, you know, they're basically just playing defense here. And I think we're seeing from the White House over the past ten days, two, three weeks, just flailing
0: on this issue you know i it's interesting the notion of chaos because you look at the middle east and it's the same thing you know the uh, argument that people made about america being more aggressive in the middle east is you have to stop the terrorism where it is and you want to kind of midwife uh, you know modernity in the Middle East, so that the two things that have driven terrorism—the choice between totalitarianism or you know far extreme you know, Islamist radicalism—you've got a third way. And the argument from people who opposed the, that approach was always, "Oh, it's not worth it. it's not worth the price. What's the big deal?" Well, we've seen with withdrawal, the the theory was, you know, from the, the neocons, lack of a better word, if you withdraw, you'll have chaos. Well, we've got real chaos in the Middle East, too. And I'm wondering, Steve, at a, once again, at a purely political level, is the presidency paying a price w- w- when people see once again that he seems to be utterly powerless and that the worst elements are just riding roughshod despite the uh, policies and desires of the American government?
1: Look, I, I just think there's no question about that. I mean, I think you're, you're hearing that criticism of President Obama being voiced not only by conservatives, and, and those who have been critical for the president for a good number of years, but also by people who have been fairly supportive of Barack Obama. And, you know, what it really reminds me of, if you go back to the early days of the Obama presidency, go back even to the 2008 presidential campaign, one of the things that conservatives in particular argued, argued about candidate Obama or argued uh, or pointed to about Barack Obama was his inclination in the Illinois uh, Senate to vote president. And it became kind of a, you know, a funny thing. Oh, there's the president, there's Barack Obama voting president again. And the early stages of his presidency, he, he would sort of avoid a difficult decision and, and conservatives would say, there he is voting president again. And it didn't, I think, get the kind of serious attention from the Washington establishment uh, for the kind of criticism that it was. And now I think we are seeing the... The, the, the detrimental effects of a president who simply refuses to do the job of president, simply refuses to lead and make those difficult decisions. So it might have worked in the Illinois Senate, where all the only ramifications were maybe a bill goes down, or you get, you know, your political opponents can point to it and say this is somebody who lacks resolve uh, or is unwilling to make difficult decisions. But when you're president of the United States, you can't avoid You can't just pull back and say, I'm not making a decision, because then decisions are made for you. Then others fill that power vacuum. And we're certainly seeing it on the border, as you pointed out earlier. And and there's no question that we're seeing it and have been seeing it, I would argue, not just for, for months, but for almost the entire Obama presidency. The United States withdrawing, signaling its withdrawal, announcing its withdrawal, and others, not good characters, not good either state actors or non-state actors, seeking to, to fill that void.
0: One last question for you, Steve. I really appreciate your time for this podcast. I get a sense that the one, the tool is going to be simply to make Republicans radioactive, to try to say, you can't possibly considering, consider voting Republican because they hate women and want to steal their birth control, and they hate the earth and want to burn it up, and they hate people for coming to America who you know aren't white European males. It has the chaos reached the point where those arguments won't work, or can they uh, do what they did in 2012, which is to get American voters to overlook, you know, a weak economy and an unpopular Obamacare bill and and stick with Democrats?
1: Well, I think it's much more difficult in in a midterm election where there is no national candidate. There's no national face of the Republican Party. So Democrats could could make the claim. Barack Obama and his campaign could make the claim. Mitt Romney is Rich, out of touch guy. He's, you know, he likes to fire people and all the kind of ridiculous arguments we heard about Mitt Romney. And, and there was sort of a face to it. And then everybody running in a Senate race, everybody running in a competitive House race, was sort of lumped in underneath Mitt Romney. I think voters in a midterm election, uh, you know, obviously voters in a midterm election uh, tend to be more conservative uh, than in presidential years. But they also have no choice but to pay attention, more attention to the candidates in their individual races. And I just think it will be awfully hard for national Democrats to employ such an obviously defensive play and have it work sort of across the board nationally. It seems like a, a real stretch. And there's one other point I would make. At some point, you're going to see national Democrats, I would think particularly Hillary Clinton, president and others say, look, we are not going to be a national party if all we do is say that Republicans hate women, hate poor people. You know, We've got to have a positive governing agenda. We've seen that big government liberalism under Barack Obama has not worked for six years. I mean, this is what policy failure looks like. And we've got to come up with something else. And I would expect you'd, you'd at least start to hear Democrats toy with those ideas in the months leading up to the 2012 midterms. The well, I've already heard midterms. it from the
0: Hillary campaign. It's going to be a $225,000 speech in every pot. That's my understanding. <laughs> that should work. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. This has been the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.